We are officially recording. And who is doing the introduction today? My pimple, apparently. You can't really see I it. I love that you, like, can't be trusted on camera because you will just pick it yourself. I just I just got a new one on my way here. It's like last week it was that your face is a different colour to your shoulder and this week it's the, <laughs> I'm sure it's tiny, tiny blemish yeah. on your beautiful skin. I'm just getting to know my body. Okay. <laughs> Self love. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast Stories of Women that you should know about. I think that's pretty clear. I'm Erin. I'm Talissa. And I'm Lucy. And since I said that the person who's making this goes last, we actually did it well this week. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't even think about it because I was first. I'm just better when I'm going first at things. It's always good to come first. I think you are the oldest, aren't you? No, actually, that's oh, God, no. Excuse me. <laughs> you know, I look haggard, but I'm not the oldest. <laughs> As the uh, eldest by a long shot, I'm offended. You look fresh, babe. Let me tell you about Queen Siondioc of Scylla. Queen Siondioc of Scylla was Scylla's first reigning queen. Scylla is the central and southern part of the Korean peninsula, or it was at the time. So it was one of the cool. three kingdoms of Korea from 57 BC to 935 AD together with Baekje and Gogoryeo. I really, there are a lot of words in here. I've never struggled so much with a podcast with things to pronounce. So just I ask for everyone's graciousness going forward. <laughs> and, and she's saying that to the listeners because Talissa and I won't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing the difference between the difference between Lucy and like I, for example, I won't speak on behalf of you, Tibazaz, but if I have a difficult word or name to pronounce, I will make it very clear that I have no idea how to pronounce <laughs> said word. Lucy will just like own it and then be like, actually, you know what, just to be safe, I'm just gonna double check and Google it. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> and then I wait for Lucy to correct me. Don't be silly, Erin. Your French <laughs> is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, your bogan French. I love I couldn't even say Constantinople, the first, like, what was that, like, one of the first episodes, Empress Theodora, and I kept having to get Lucy to say it because I couldn't <laughs> say Constantinople. Well, she's showing growth. She's showing yeah. progress. She's showing gumption. Because she learned. We're growing, we're flourishing, we're thriving, <laughs> we're improving. Sorry, Lucy. Good energy. Back All to right. you. <laughs> so Queen uh, Siondia. So she was born either 595 or 610. So there's a nice little 15-year difference there to um, contend with. So we're going way back. We love that. Way, way, way back. This is one of the classic contradicting sources stories. Now, she's born the daughter of King Jin Pyong and Queen Maya of Scylla. And when she's born, she's known as Princess Deokman. And I wanted to know why she went from Deokman to Siondiok. And so I Googled, what does Deokman mean? And I just want to read out this little interaction that I found online just um, just before we started recording because I thought it was very funny. So this person has come to this site called High Native with a question about Korean. She says, what does, De- well, I don't know if she could be he. They say, what does Deokman mean? mean this person replies i think woman name and then the person says but what does this name mean and then the woman says how do you know this name i searched this name and the name is queen siondiok in Scylla period 
And the woman, the first woman with the question replies, yes, I mean her name. She's awesome. I like this movie in history. And then this other woman replies, wow, I love this drama too. And then the woman with the question responds, wow, that's great. And none of us came out of it any wiser. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> the best part is what does, she says, what does Diakman mean? And this woman replies, I think it's a woman's name. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Is there a movie about this? Upper level. Yeah, in Korean. Yeah, there's some Korean. Oh, cool. I love that. They never got answers, but they bonded (laughs) over their deep, deep love of this queen. (laughs) Gotta love the internet. Yeah, I I just thought that was great. I think it's a woman's name. Hmm. (laughs) That would be me just trying to prove how smart I am. Like, what's a fire hydrant? Like, I'm pretty sure it's a hydrant that puts out fires. Don't quote me on that, but. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's classic. So she's born to the king and the queen and she's got two sisters, Princess Cheonmyong and Princess Seonhua. The the king isn't thrilled with having three daughters and um, he even sends his wife to a nunnery because she won't give him any sons, which kind of seems counterproductive. So so she's Princess um, Deokman. She's got her sister, Princess Cheonmyong, and she's also got her sister, Princess Seonhua. Now, poor Princess Sionhua, her existence was largely in debate, which would you would think would make her the middle child, but she's actually the youngest. Basically, <laughs> they thought that she gave birth to this guy who later became king, but then they discovered evidence in 2009 that implied it was another woman who was this king's mother. And so they were like, did Sionhua ever exist? which seems like a really shitty thing to happen to someone. You'd be like, no, fuck you. I existed. But um, history is like, eh, yeah, we want, want to get a second opinion on that one. Bye. But I love that history doing anything great in history is having this son that be like, like her existence doesn't exist if she wasn't the one that gave birth to this dude. Yeah. Thanks a lot, history. True. I just don't know if she existed. And her other sister, Chion Myung, also has an interesting story that I read about briefly where there was a guy that she was really into and she loved him and her mum asked, who do you want to marry? And she said his name, but she mumbled it because she was really shy and she mumbled it and it sounded like someone else's name. And so the queen was like, oh, great, you'll marry that dude. <laughs> and she was like, oh, crap, now I've got to marry him. And then they like they get married and then he's on <laughs> his deathbed and he's like, you should marry your love. And then that's her sister's story. <laughs> That is a wild. See, this is going back to saying your names with conviction because you could end up married to someone that you didn't mean to marry. Yeah. That's heavy stuff. That's heavy stuff. Yeah. So that's her, that's her family. Now, Sorry, I laughed so hard I knocked my microphone off at the <laughs> Now, um, her, her dad doesn't have any sons, which is really sad, and he gets sadder when he realises that that means there's no heir to the throne and it's at this stage that the three daughters in unison get out their tiny violins and start playing a song. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got an idea. He's like, look, I've got three daughters, maybe two. Um, they can't be king, but they can marry a guy and then he can be a king, no problem. So he starts to think there's potentially three other prospects or maybe two. He starts to think about Princess Jiamyung's husband, Kim Yong-soo. Um, I think he was the first one that she said his name accidentally because she wanted to marry a different Kim with a different last name. And Dyeokman hears about the story, Dyeokman, which is a woman's name, um, 
she hears about dad's plan <laughs> to give the throne to her brother-in-law and she's like, is this guy for real? And, so um, he not only married her by accident, <laughs> he nearly got the throne. <laughs> those are her sisters one we're not sure if she even exists the other one um probably needs to have a bit more backbone and um mumble less anyway so her dad wants uh one of her sister's husbands to marry um sorry to to take the throne and she's like i'm really not into that the thing is that at this stage in korean history it wasn't entirely unprecedented for a woman to be in charge of um Silla. so king jeonpyong's mum queen sado had served as queen regent when he was just a little baby and korea at this time also has matrilineal in addition to patrilineal family so women could often be the heads of the household this is considered largely because the confucian beliefs around men and women hadn't really come into major effect yet in Korea but still the idea of woman having control of um Scylla without the you know the okay I'll hand it back in a minute clause built in it was just not not something that was really done but they kind of had to consider it because the only other option was basically um a woman takes the throne or a man kind of of a lesser tier of lineage would have to take it. So there's there's a stories that she proved to her father through her intelligence and wit and that sort of thing that she was uh, the right pick for the throne. But there's also the history that says it's probably more that they decided to preserve that kind of, I guess, that bloodline or that particular. There's this thing called the bone rank system. And basically they had the choice between going for a woman who was at the higher tier of the bone rank system or going for a guy who was at the lower tier of the bone rank system and they've obviously decided to maintain that higher tier but uh, I guess pass off the the gender assumption attached to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So she um she becomes queen. Dad says, okay. Now, even though she's gone through all of this, people are still, they're not really keen on the idea of a woman on the throne and two officials try to overthrow her pretty quickly. But the plan is discovered and as a punishment, one of the men is beheaded in the marketplace with his entire family. Back to Scylla. Um, The other guy gets away. He makes a run for the border and then he starts to miss his wife. So he comes back and changes clothes with a woodcutter to blend in. But then he's arrested and he also gets executed. So um, maybe just leave your wives. Yeah, That'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. So um, January 632, she becomes the queen, Sion Diok, and that means nice and virtue. It's also a woman's name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she's when she gets, becomes queen, her biggest concerns are her people's livelihoods. So she wants to, to improve the deal for widows, poor people, the elderly, and widowers as well, and she sends royal inspectors out to get an idea of the lay of the land and to help them. And she also sends a diplomat to the Tang Dynasty of China to let him know that, um, hey, it's me, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in charge now, which is um, kind of strikes me as the email that you send out to everyone when you move a job as a journalist. And you're like, hey, I'm here now. Please send me your pictures, but not the bad ones. Um, but, the, but the emperor is like, a woman? No, thank you. And he decides that he won't acknowledge her. Now, about this guy. So there is a legend about this Emperor Taizong of the Chinese Tang Dynasty. Now, apparently, he sends her a painting of three peony flowers painted white, red, and purple, which is nice, right? Wrong. Now, she plants the seeds in the garden and looks at them and says, hmm, even though the flower is pretty, it probably does not have much fragrance. And everyone's like, how do you know that? Why are you so cynical? 
then the flowers grow and there's no smell. And she's like, I told you. And they're stunned and they ask her how. And she says, the painting showed no butterfly or bees beside the flowers. When he sent me this gift, Emperor Taizong was mocking me for not having a husband, which is just a lot of effort to go to for a sexist joke, but apparently he had nothing better to do ruling the Tang Dynasty at the time. Not that far from what happens these days, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> I know. It's more complicated. Jokes are more straightforward now, I feel. Yeah, yeah it's easier to send a meme than to paint <laughs> A cryptic painting. <laughs> a beeless flower. <laughs> wow. Um, but apparently, though, she goes on to build the um, Bun Huangsa Temple, which is the fragrance of the royal temple in response, which is also admirably petty. So she's like, fuck you, I'll build a temple. There's also claims that this happened while she was younger and while uh, she was trying to impress her dad. And her dad was like, oh, I'll make you queen for that. So there's few different versions of where that story fits into the timeline. Now, back to her reign. She, in her second year, she builds Cheomseong Day, which is an observatory to help the farmers. Now, this is a big deal. It's still there today. Whoa. Cool. It's called the Stargazing Tower. And it's considered the first dedicated observatory in the Far East. And it helped help the farmers. And it's um the oldest surviving observatory in East Asia. Wow. Really? I want to. What's it called? I want to see a photo of it. Cheomseong Day. Hang on, I might send it to you. Let me flick it to you. All right, let's talk. Oh, okay. Um, smaller than I pictured. Um, yeah, but it's shaped like a lady, which some people think it was deliberate. is. It kind of just. Mm. Look, it kind of looks like a chimney with a hole. It's got it, some big chimney vibes. But it. But you know what? It's been standing for a long time, so they did a really good job. <laughs> I feel like this is your um, feedback sandwich, Talissa. <laughs> <laughs> Could be bigger, but still standing. <laughs> That's like how <laughs> I feel about so many things. <laughs> That's how I feel about so many men. Just joking. Yeah, Jeez. Could be bigger, yeah. but at least it's standing. <laughs> <laughs> so she builds this um, observatory and then she decides on a whole year of a tax exemption for the for the peasants and also reduces tax. And this way she becomes very popular very quickly because, you know, Love it. it's the classic question, which is stronger, sexism or 0% tax? And 0% tax wins every time. Now, she also sends another email. Sorry, not another email, another uh, message to the tank. <laughs> 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 and she's like, yo, guy, I'm, I'm still here. And he's like, please stop um, talking to me, refuses to acknowledge her. Yeah, so he's still not, he's still not on board. Now, at this point, 635, she points a dude name known as Biden to the highest point, the highest rank in the court. Now, he's known as the first of the Daedungs or peers extraordinary rank one. And I kind of get the vibe. He's like a prime minister sort of position. He's in charge of a lot of stuff. Just remember that. That's, yeah, just put that in a little pocket for later. Okay. You got it. Now, during her reign, she also starts sending people from Korea to China to learn Chinese traditions. And this is when she actually starts forming a somewhat tentative. They, they There were already relations with China, to be fair. They were already trading partners and that sort of thing. They just didn't like each other. But she sends guys over there and they learn about the Chinese style of battle and fighting. They learn about Chinese customs. They learn a lot about Buddhism and um a bunch of them come back and start really bringing Buddhism to to Asila and they also bring back a lot of the Chinese customs and traditions and the Chinese style of dress and kind of at the time China was considered I guess more um technologically and culturally advanced so yeah that was a big deal yeah and she builds a bunch of temples she just goes on a temple building spree yep. now 
Basically, for her entire reign, she's fending off the two neighbors that she's got, Gogoyao and Baekje. And Baekje is a t- little country. Gogoyao is huge. It's just massive. But um, all three of them, they all want to control Korea. It's mainly Baekje that's being a pain, though. So they all controlled a different chunk of Korea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and they're all fighting over it because they really want it. Now, according to the Samguk Sagi, which is a historical record of the three kingdoms of Korea, in March 636, so four years into her reign, she gets really, really sick and nothing is working, no medicines, no prayers, and then things start getting a little bit spooky. So in March, two years later, a large stone on the side of this mountain moves on its own. And then seven months later, Gogoyao attacked the mountain valley. Then the next year, the seawater on the eastern part of Silla goes red and all the fish in it die. And the people are like, mm, okay, weird. And some people think that these are bad signs that Scylla is going to fall, which honestly I get. I'd probably be drawing similar conclusions if all the fish are dying. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be concerned. Yeah. Now, in 641, she sends this official named Chunchu to King Bojang of Gogoyao to ask for help against the Baekje, and the, and the Gogoyao king says he won't help Silla unless they give up some of the territory that they had previously taken from his kingdom. Siondiok refuses, and Chunchu is prisoned, and um, so the queen sends a 10,000-man ar- 10, army back to get Chunchu and um, basically tell off the Gogoyao king for being really rude and um they just let chunchu go so that was a win for her wow go chunchu and yeah but basically things are still she's she's fighting borders she's fighting wars the whole time it's basically just a state of affairs so there's one part where baekje wins 40 fortresses from the west of Silla, one of which was also protected by ten thousand men and then a year later Baekje and Gogoyao conquer another fortress, which was actually very important for Si travel to the Tang Dynasty. And Si and is like, this is getting pretty grim. I'm going to ask um, the Emperor Taizong for help again. Third time is a charm. So she gets in touch. Sends her an email. <laughs> Sends her an email. <laughs> yeah. Urgent. <laughs> He says he's got three options, that he will attack um, and use a naval campaign to keep the bake chair busy. Second option is he will send thousands of Tang uniforms to help the Silla soldiers pretend to be Chinese troops, I think maybe to scare them. I don't. I couldn't really figure out what that meant. The third option was that he would send a male Tang royal to send, serve as the new ruler. And a lot of people put two and three together. So actually a lot of people put one, two, and three together, that the military aid hinged on China being able to install a male ruler in Scylla and she says no. Fair. Now this is when Sion Diok uh, decides to get Zhejiang, a Buddhist monk, to help her. He's one of the guys that she sent over to China and he becomes quite well known as well for being this really cool monk. He builds a lot of temples as well and he plays a big role in bringing Buddhism to Scylla and apparently really, really intelligent. And so she's like, Zhejiang, help me. He says, it's okay. This is, here's what we're going to do. You need to build a nine-story pagoda. This will calm the people and will help you block invasions, which I get. I guess from the top of the pagoda you'd be able to see far. What is a pagoda? Um, so you know at a temple there's often the tall, there's often this tall skinny building that's attached mm. to it in Buddhist temples? Yeah. That's the pagoda. Oh, I didn't realise that's what it was called. Cool. 
So is it, is it was it like kind of like a watchtower? It sounds like that's the way that they are implying it, but also a symbol of strength and dedication and that sort of thing. Gotcha. And she thinks about it and she decides that, yep, this is what we'll do. Somewhat unsurprisingly. Like a great waste of resources for me, but okay. That's, that is, um, you could be <laughs> one of her subjects because that's what they thought. But you would not go up those stairs every day to listen. <laughs> I'll have you know I've climbed a pagoda before. Thank you. Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> Climbs a pagoda once, is an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but yes, so the people would agree with you, Talissa. They'll be like, Talissa, you are so right. That does seem like an illogical waste of resources. And you'd say, thank you, I'm a genius. But um, she says, Talissa. Shut the hell up. <laughs> people of Scylla, stop it. Stop it. I've got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> she says, chill, this is going to bring us together in a show of religious devotion and strength. And I think there's a bit of psychology behind it too you know if the queen is spending all of this money on a pagoda then actually we can't be in that bad of shape because if we're in a bad shape we wouldn't be buying we wouldn't be building a pagoda so we're building a pagoda which means we're in good shape you know a nice little bit of bad economics but she um she tells the people you know what tear down the palace and use its bricks and timbers if you think you lack the funds so it takes two years to build but by then it's the tallest temple in east asia at the time and it's called huang yongsa which means the Imperial Dragon Temple. And according to ancient architectural records, the pagoda was about was between 68 and 80 metres in height. Whoa. And um, she often visited it to pray for Scylla. And the um, the actual temple itself had been in progress for, for a long, long time before that, I think tens and tens of years, possibly even close to a century. I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, it was apparently built on the site where a yellow dragon was said to have appeared with the promise that Scylla would destroy all of its enemies. And the nine levels of the pagoda represented the other nine nations of um, Asia at the time, which Scylla believed would conquer, including Japan and China, which I think is admirable because you look at the size of Scylla at the time and it's tiny. And she's like, yeah, China, fine. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll build up to it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get them all. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is great. Like it's this tiny, tiny country. And she's like, yeah, we can take on China. Good for her. So eventually uh, China does agree to help her because they've got interests in allying with Scylla. It serves, basically serves their purposes to pit the three countries of Korea against each other because, you know, that way you can kind of win them all. Also for them, the implicit threat of Chinese intervention does help to some degree to, to ward off attacks from Beijing Gaga Yao. So during this period, she also actually sends lots of people to China, as I mentioned. The one other thing that they learn is the Chinese military style and the martial arts, which is helpful because it stops Scylla from then being conquered by the Tang Chinese because they're like, we know what you know, na 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 Which is a very historic quote from the time. <laughs> <laughs> I read it on an ancient scroll. <laughs> yeah. So during all of these battles, there is this legend that um, she comes across. Now, near the banks of the river, near the capital city, there's this temple called Yongmyosa, and in it there's a pond called Jade Gate. Now, one day in winter, five years into her reign, so 637, all of these frogs just start gathering and they just croak loudly for several days. And everyone's like, shut up, frogs. <laughs> and they get the queen and she's like, no. We should listen to the frogs. They have an important message for us. 
Okay, hun. Yeah. So she sees the frogs. She sees all of these frogs and they're, but they're, they're croaking at entirely the wrong time of the year and they're just like, it'd be really annoying just frogs croaking nonstop. You'd be like, seriously, but it, but it's sucking it. Absolutely. But um, she hears this and she orders 2,000 soldiers to a valley called the Cradle of Life, warning them that an enemy force would be lying in wait and that they would basically need to ambush them. Now, not only do our soldiers find the enemy soldiers in the valley, they destroy the 500 baked chair soldiers and another 1,200 reinforcements. Damn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, wow, I didn't know you spoke frog. And she's like, <laughs> there's a lot of things you don't know about me. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, it's basic. It's, it's basic, guys. A group of angry frogs signifies an army. Jade gate is an expression for a woman's chastity. Woman is one of the meanings of yin, which also has the meaning of white, and the white color stands for the West. So I knew that an army was lying in the West. As we say, a man is supposed in some sense to die during the act of creating new life. Since the Bake J army was hiding in the valley known as the cradle of life, I knew that it would be easy to defeat them. Okay. I've got some thoughts. Um. <laughs> Firstly, we all know that men are to die in making new life. No, it's um. There's. Do, did you watch Emily in Paris? No, thank you. Obviously, and they refer. They reference <laughs> le petit mort, the little death, which is when someone orgasms. It's meant to be like you die a little bit. Oh, I think it's more like you live a little bit. My second yeah. point is that it feels like when you go to a really shitty psychic and they're like. I see that you're wearing green. Does the outdoors mean anything to you? Like, do you like being out? Have you been on a walk? Have you been outside before? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's the letter J, no? Letter H, letter B, letter C. That's what I feel like she's done with these frogs. And she's been like, yes, uh, they were sitting on the water. Water means hydration. Hydration means ocean. Ocean means dolphins. I have to give it to her character. This does link back to the painting situation and how quickly she knew what it meant i mean true she's good at reading the signs yeah and look, i mean you guys can knock her but what would would do you come to that conclusion correctly i might add if you had some really <laughs> annoying frogs in your garden because i don't think i would suspect no. an um enemy army i think talissa would i think talissa would come pretty close because she reads into things all the time <laughs> yeah the queen of thinking into stuff. Literally, I'll go on a 45-minute rampage. Yeah. <laughs> Overthinking is my uh, special talent. Yeah. Uh, and a talent uh, it is, apparently. You, you could save your country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It all makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. It should be noted that it was quite um, remarkable at the time that she actually referred to the, the little death um, as a woman. That they're like, oh, she's talking about sex. Yes, Queen. We love her. Now, at some point during all of these years, Sion Giok, she obviously attracts a lot of attention. And one of the people whose interest she attacks is this guy called Jigui. Now, one day he sees Sion Giok passing while on a visit to the capital city and he just falls head over heels in love with her. Maybe he heard about how she spoke frog and was like, mm. that is someone I need in my life. He, But he's obsessed Getting jiggly with Jigwe. <laughs> yeah. Jigwe stops eating. He stops sleeping. He does nothing but call out her name all day, every day. 
<laughs> Sorry, I don't speak. I don't speak desperate. I only speak frog. <laughs> <laughs> now, eventually, he loses his mind, and one day, Siondiak goes to visit a temple to pray. Jigui appears as she's passing, and he's calling out her name. Um, the guards push him back, but when she asks what's going on, she hears about his story and she feels sorry for him. So she lets him follow her into the temple and then while she's in there praying, he has to wait outside and eventually he falls asleep, which is unbelievable. Like, Jigui, this was your shot. You've fallen asleep. Probably because he wasn't eating. Probably, yeah, and not <laughs> sleeping. And he's, yeah, true, he's really tired. She comes out and sees that he's sleeping and she's like, oh. She tells him, don't, don't wait, Jigui. Don't let, let Jigui sleep. And instead she puts a bracelet on his chest as a keepsake. And then when he wakes up, he sees the bracelet on his chest and he's so overwhelmed by joy and excitement and love that he bursts into flames. <laughs> oh. His whole body turns into a fire, which then burns down the pagoda and Jigui too. <gasps> What? But this isn't the same pagoda. This isn't the big deal, symbolic nine-story pagoda. This is oh, this is just pagoda, which you know apparently they're pretty disposable to Jigui. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how Tinder was created. That's why the symbol is a flame. <laughs> <laughs> now, other legends say that he was more in control and he actually lit the fire to show his passion, which is a bit pyromaniac. Um, and then. More believable though. Yeah. <laughs> mm, burst into flames, light a fire. Mm. Mm. Now, no. in another legend, his relentless shouting of her name irritates the guards so much they start beating him until he can't move, which is pretty bad. Um, and then his soul becomes a fire spirit and then burns down people's houses and the pagoda. And the people are like, help us to the queen and so she makes a talisman that they put out the front of their houses to block Jigui's spirit. Then in another version of the legend, Jigui falls in love with her and he appears to her every night in the dream but in the dream he's this handsome and cunning ruler who gives her really good advice and um, through hot hot dream Jigui's help she actually gets through a lot of of difficult moments and, and crap. One night in the dream she meets hot dream Jigui on the bridge but then he stops showing up and she wonders where hot jigui went so she goes to the bridge in real life um from her dreams and she finds jigui is there sleeping and he wakes up sees her he's overwhelmed he bursts into flames and then the fire flies into the sky um causing heavy rain which ends the drought Mm. again lucy a lot just happened in a short amount of time again (laughs) All great options, all great options, all very believable, great options. We can workshop all of those ideas. <laughs> I think I like Hot Dream Jigby the most. That one's got a lot of legs on it. Yes. In terms of the storytelling potential. Hey, as long as she had some sexy dreams. Sounds like she did. She died and died and died again, if you know what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> now, do you remember when I told you about Biden? Um, so she'd appointed him to the highest position, but he, in 647, decides to start a rebellion against her along with other officials who um, who decided that, no, they, do you know she's, she's got a lot going on, but they're just not going to let her take a break. They say, the female king failed to rule the country, therefore women should stop ruling, ah. which is at least straight to the point. You know, there's no kind of beating around the bush. There's no peonies involved. True. Um and the problem is that Biden is a really popular guy and by this point her health is deteriorating and he goes on to create the biggest rebellion in the history of Scylla, 
which isn't great timing given like they've literally got enemies on every border. And then on the night of the rebellion, a star falls near her home. And Biden thinks that this is a sign of her downfall and he says this to get his followers going. He's like, yeah, the star fell just like Sion Diok's going to fall. Mm. But the queen is like, yeah, I got to agree that doesn't look great. But Kim Yushin, who's one of her advisors, tells her not to worry because he has a plan. So he takes a kite um, with a burning scarecrow attached to it um, sets it on fire obviously it's burning scarecrow and then he makes the kite fly back into the sky to make it look like the star is back in place that's actually pretty smart <laughs> so um yeah they won't know Biden's followers say and they're like oh damn but there goes that and um eventually Kim Yushin and his mate Kim Alcheon suppress the revolution and all of Biden and his 30 followers are killed. So from start to end, it lasted fewer than 10 days and it failed. But sadly, Queen Sion Diok actually dies in the days before the rebellion is completely stopped. No. Now there's no known cause of death, but we know she's been sick for a really long time. And um, how old is she now? So let me have a look. If she was born in 610. Is that a 15-year gap of, of her birth, right? Then that would make her 37. But if she was born in 595, that would make her 52, yep. I think. Right. Both very yeah. old back in those days. Yeah, geriatric. But she, yeah, so she died. Some people think that she actually died from shock because she was just so surprised that Bardem had betrayed her like that. And she, um, she's buried in a tomb on a sacred mountain known as Nangsan. And then her cousin becomes queen, Queen Jindiok. Now, one last question. Would you want to know the exact minute that you would die? Like before it's happening? Can I ask you a follow-up question? Because I've thought long and hard about this as the resident overthinker. Am I, <laughs> am I sick? Have I been given like a countdown clock because I'm sick? Or is it like, Talissa, today, we're going to tell you right now when you're going to die. Because if I was sick, I'd want to know so I could say no. my goodbyes and kind of like do my due diligence to make sure I crossed my T's and dotted my I's, etc. But today, <laughs> absolutely not. Because could you imagine me ever leaving my house? I wouldn't leave my house again. I probably would because I'm such a control freak and I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Queen Sion Yuk knew when she would die, down to the minute apparently, and she told people this. And in the days before she died, she told her officials that she wanted to be buried near the Dorichion um, or the heaven of grieved merits, which is considered a certain level of heaven in Buddhism. And she tells the guys that this is on the southern side of a particular mountain. And she also knows when she's going to die. Um, some decades after she's died, the current king builds the Temple of the Four Heavenly Kings or Satchionwang Sa in her tomb. And then the nobles twig that there's this Buddha saying, Dorichion is above the Sachion Wangchion. And they're like, whoa, because it implies that the queen knew that the temple would come and that she would have this really prominent position in it, which is kind of cool. Wow. Can I check what you're saying is she play, she picked where she wanted to be buried, knowing full well that one day another bigger, more important temple would lie on that spot and then therefore she would be included in that. Well, basically that except that she would be the bigger and more important part. Gotcha. So her, in her legacy, she built a lot of temples, a lot of pagodas, including very culturally significant ones. And she also lays the groundwork for Scylla and China to work together to actually eventually beat back Baekje and Gogoriao, which they do in 660 
yeah, so only 13 years after she dies, which is pretty fast given, um, I think, that. Like, so she was definitely laying the groundwork for that to happen. And apparently she also had three husbands, but um, that's another game of did they exist or not because some people say that she had three and other people say that she didn't at all and her cousin, who then became queen, didn't marry because apparently she'd kind of set that precedent that the queens don't marry and then a, apparently a bunch of other future queens just didn't marry because that was what Sion Diok did. So I'm voting that no, she didn't have any husbands. Yes, that's cool. And that is the wild ride of Queen Sion Diok of Scylla. There was twists, there was turns. <laughs> we were up, we were down. Yeah. I thought that was a great one. It was so good. There was three versions <laughs> of the one. It, it was, was almost so like um, Choose Your Adventure books. It really was. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast. You can find us in a couple of places. One of them is our socials, Erin. Uh, Fierce Females podcast on Instagram, Fierce Females of History Facebook. You can email us if you just want to chat, want to catch up. How have you been? Um, it's fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll down, give us a rating and a comment as well because it helps more people see and hear these wonderful stories. And Erin, you're trying to mouth what I'm saying, but I'm changing it up. So, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Or, do you know what, this time, don't worry about sending us messages because we've just been inundated. Um, <laughs> we're going to send... <laughs> we're going to send you a message. Now, to do this, you've just got to be alert at all times for the dulcet sounds of a frog. <laughs> Ribbit. Ribbit. Ribbit.